Today's episode of Behind the Numbers is brought to you by B. Riley Financial. B. Riley Financial's diverse suite of services goes beyond traditional financial service offerings. By leveraging cross-platform expertise and assets, B. Riley Financial companies are uniquely positioned to provide full-service collaborative solutions to our clients at every stage of the business lifecycle and in all market conditions. B. Riley refers to B. Riley Financial Incorporated and or one or more of its subsidiaries or affiliates. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder, and welcome to the show where we dig deeper to understand what matters most in business. I'm a managing director at B. Riley Financial Advisory Services, and I'm also the author of the new ROI, Return on Individuals. Welcome to the show. And today, I'm pleased to welcome a guest who is the chief financial officer of a microcap company. Pleased to welcome Mike Candell, chief financial officer at Wireless Telecom Group. Mike, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Morning, Dave. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Mike. Great to have you here. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about who you are, and then we'll jump in. Yeah, sure. I'm a wireless telecom group. Uh, we're a microcap uh, company with headquarters in Parsippany, New Jersey, and locations in Boulder, Colorado, uh, Loughborough, UK, and Duisburg, Germany. We have about 125 employees and you know we design and manufacture wireless telecommunications test equipment, um, software and hardware solutions for use in the satellite and uh, semiconductor, military defense, uh, aerospace industries. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate that. I want to start our conversation, Mike, by talking about your journey to the role of the CFO. Share with the audience, if you would, please, how you got to that position, please. Yeah, sure. So I'm a CPA. I, I started my career um, in public accounting at uh, Ernst & Young. I um, was there for about seven years and worked in a variety uh, on a variety of clients and in a number of different industries. Um, left there and, and, and bounced around a little bit, um, but landed at, um, you know, uh, Avaya, uh, which was an is an enterprise telephony company. Um, at the time, we're about $5 billion in size, had about 10,000 employees, and I worked in the controllers organization. So I spent all of my nine years there doing, you know, accounting policy, SEC reporting, uh, RevRec consolidations, uh, pretty much anything in controllers, um, you know, I, I did it there. Um, and then in 2016, I um, reconnected with a former Ernst & Young colleague, Tim Whalen, who had just become CEO of Wireless Telecom Group, um, and he was, you know, looking to change the culture there and was making some changes on the on the management team, and he needed a new uh, chief financial officer. Um, and, I, you know, I viewed it as an opportunity to get out of my comfort zone, um, you know, expand my skill set and really see, you know, different parts of, of, of a business um, and, a, and a public company. Yeah, that really resonates with me when you talk about getting out of your comfort zone to try and experience new and exciting things. So a um, little bit scary, but also uh, exciting at the same time. 
So you went from Avaya, which is a large company, to now what's referred to as a micro-cap company, um, one of the smaller capitalization companies in a publicly traded sense. What's it like being a part of a micro-cap? What are some of the nuances, if you could share? Yeah, sure. It's it, We're very entrepreneurial, um, and, and that spans across you know, all levels um, in, in the company. And, you know, moreover, you, you, you can't be afraid to roll up your sleeves um, and get into the details of, of just about uh, just about everything, which is which is what I like. Um, you know, I'm a very detail oriented uh, person. Um, so I really liked, you know, being able to, to jump into into the details and, and be entrepreneurial. And, and plus, you know, at a smaller size company, you can you can really feel like you're making a meaningful impact uh, immediately. Um, you know, at, of course, at my level, you feel that way. But even at the lower levels, you know, our people feel like they're having a, an impact uh, on the direction of the company. Yeah. And that's a great, as you said, culture change to bring to an environment. So when you talk about being entrepreneurial, uh, a lot of times that's a, a euphemism for I wear a lot of different hats. Uh, what other yeah. functions are you responsible for, Mike? Besides that of yeah. uh, the financial function? Yeah. So, I, so I had to jump out of being strictly, uh, you know, controllers oriented, accounting based, into everything not only finance related, which was you know FP and A, decision support, um, investor relations, treasury, but I also took on um, IT and, and HR. Uh, which was a big shift and and challenge for me. Um, obviously, at a at a larger company, we had you know departments and and teams of people focused on HR and IT, um, and I had to jump into to owning you know owning that function. Um, so that was a huge huge challenge for me. Um, it still continues to be a challenge. I would say some of those areas are still a a, a work in process uh, for me. Um, you know, you, I, I feel like I'm. Uh, jack of all trades and, and master of none. Um, but, you know, one of the key things was putting the right people in place underneath me, um, especially in those areas, because um, my strength was in controllers, was in the close, was in the SEC reporting, and I needed to make sure that I had strong people in those other areas um, to, to help me uh, along through my journey. Yep. Mike, when you talk about IT, I know one of the big challenges that, that everyone's facing today is, is cybersecurity risk. Um, yeah. Is that an area that you're focusing on as well? Yeah, 100%. So we sell um, into um, the U.S. government, military, defense subcontractors. So we are subject to some pretty rigorous cybersecurity requirements, um, and, and they're, you know, they're getting more and more there's there's a new thing called cmmc which we have to be compliant with um you know we're, we're constantly looking at all of our controls around it and, and cybersecurity. so it is a huge area um, we put a lot of focus into it um, you could spend all of your time and, and pretty much i think all the company's money just on you know shoring up your cybersecurity. Um, which, which is a big challenge. Um, you know, we have an IT team of four um, at, at Wireless Telecom Group. So we really have to focus on where we think the big risks are. And, and there's two areas that we have really focused in on. Um, one um, is end user awareness and, and training for, for all of our people. Um, you know, when you read through all of the, 
the headlines of companies that have been exposed. Typically, it's employees that are clicking on something, a phishing email or a link uh, that they shouldn't have. Um, so we spend a lot of time and effort in training all of our employees to be aware of phishing emails, to be aware of scams. We, we mark all of our emails with an external tag so they know 100% that it's coming from, um, you know, an external source. And we do also do fake phishing campaigns where we try and trick our employees into clicking on links that, that they shouldn't. Um, and, and the second area is in in patches um you have to make sure that you're up to date with all of your security patches across your it uh, architecture so we've spent a lot of time in in developing a process around shoring up um you know our our your our laptops and our systems to make sure that our patches are are up to date yeah, Mike, for folks who are watching and listening and want to learn more about you, what's the best way for them to find you or connect with you? So probably LinkedIn, my uh, my LinkedIn profile. Um, you could also go to wirelesstelecomgroup.com. Uh, I have a little bio there, but, but LinkedIn is probably the best spot. Sounds good. Mike, we're coming up to the commercial break here, so we only have just about a minute or two, but I wanted to sneak in one more question here. And that is, you know, as a CFO, um, you're responsible for forecasting and you've got to have a pretty good looking crystal ball. Uh, talk about that experience for those who are uh, watching and listening and maybe have aspirations to moving into the role of the CFO. Yeah, that, that's it's it's a huge challenge. Um, and I would say you have to you have to use the 80-20 rule in, in, in forecasting. You cannot get bogged down with I mean, we do a line by line trial balance forecast uh, every quarter at Wireless Telecom Group. But but I have found that you really have to focus on, you know, the 20 percent of the P&L line items that are going to get you 80 percent of the of the end result and focus on being as uh, exact and detailed as you can uh, with those specific areas. Obviously, it all starts with with the top line. And I spend a lot of time with our sales guys on where we think the top line is going to come out. Uh, that's a key one. But uh, across the trial balance, you have to focus on what your key areas of focus are, where you're going to get 80% of the result. That's great advice. Mike, we're going to have to take a quick break here. You don't go anywhere. Uh, and for you watching and listening, uh, you don't go anywhere either. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after we pay a few bills here. There's an old expression in business that you can't manage what you can't measure. Business performance and business valuation, it's all measured by the numbers. But I've learned that the real lessons and the tough decisions that are made occur behind the numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder. Join me and my guests as we go behind the numbers to understand what really matters most in business. Today's episode of Behind the Numbers is brought to you by B. Riley Financial. B. Riley Financial's diverse suite of services goes beyond traditional financial service offerings. By leveraging cross-platform expertise and assets, B. Riley Financial companies are uniquely positioned to provide full-service collaborative solutions to our clients at every stage of the business lifecycle and in all market conditions. B. Riley refers to B. Riley Financial Incorporated and or one or more of its subsidiaries or affiliates. And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking with Mike Candell, 
who is the Chief Financial Officer at Wireless Telecom Group. Mike, welcome back to the second segment here on Behind the Numbers. Uh, I want to start out uh, by mentioning this episode sponsored by B. Riley, and I believe you've been a B. Riley client for some time. Um, would you mind sharing what your experience has been in working with B. Riley? Yeah, sure. So, so we've partnered with uh, B. Riley over the last, I've been with Wireless Telecom Group for five and a half years. Um, so we, they've been a partner for the last five and a half years in a variety of areas. You know, we've done a couple of acquisitions and a, and a debt raise and used their investment banking uh, services. Um, in the middle of uh, last year, we also did an, you know, at the market uh, secondary offering. They uh, assisted with that. Most most recently, you know, we instituted a, a 10b5 a stock re, repurchase plan, and and you know their teams over there have, have helped us with that. So we've we've had a great uh, great partnership with with B Riley over the last five and a half years. Yeah, it's great to hear, and thank you so much for sharing that. So you mentioned acquisitions. And uh, that's, you know, the sexy area of what you do, right? And I use that term in air quotes, sexy, uh, because there's a lot of work involved. Uh, they don't all happen. And even the ones that do don't always work out. Uh, you've been through the process. What's been your experience in acquisitions, Mike? Yeah. So, yeah. So when I joined, I mean, you know, the mandate was to, to grow the company and, and that was through two avenues, organic growth and then and then growth through through acquisitions. And, and in the last five and a half years, we've done We've done two acquisitions, um, which which doesn't sound like a lot, but you know, in, in closing two acquisitions, we've actually looked at, I would say, close to thirty or, or possibly more potential uh, acquisitions, um, and it's 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 a challenge. M and A is definitely a challenge. Um, you know, at Wireless Telecom Group, we have a, a pretty robust process that we go through that was. Uh, largely developed by our CEO, Tim Whalen. Um, you know, we have a nine step process that we go through from beginning to end to, to close a deal. Um, you know, it starts with a very initial, what we call the desk review, um, where we're looking at potential targets and whether they're the right strategic fit. And it progresses all the way through, you know, valuation to do, you know, a non binding letter of intent to, to due diligence. Um, all the all the while engaging, you know, the board and keeping them up to date, as well as you know, we formed a, a, an M and A subcommittee of the board um, to assist the management team um, with um, you know with the process, um, you know, and, and it's all about making sure that it's the right fit, the right valuation, and you know about returning value to or increasing shareholder you know value. Um, probably one of the biggest challenges is, is that, you know, you have to do this and do your day job at the same time. Um, you know, these strategic initiatives um, can be a major distraction from the day-to-day -day running of the business. And, and, and that's where, you know, having the right people in the right seats comes in. Um, you know, I found when I'm, you know, distracted um, with something like an acquisition you know, I'm putting more on my people in terms of, of the day to day. So you need to make sure you have the right people underneath you to handle that stuff while you're working on these on these projects. Yeah, and I think you probably just hit the nail on the head because uh, as I often share with the audience, depending on where you get your data, anywhere between 75 and 90 percent of M&A deals don't live up to their um, forecasted synergies. And usually it's because of the people integration process. So if you don't mind, maybe you can spend just a moment or two talking about what you've done to focus on that part of your acquisition integrations. 
Yeah, sure. So our acquisitions to date have been, you know, smaller tuck-in acquisitions where, you know, um, you know, typically private companies, and we keep the management team engaged um, through primarily two areas. One is the one component of the purchase price is, is typically, you know, our stock. Um, so they're they're tied to the to the long-term um, growth of the of the consolidated company. And we also typically structure the purchase price with some earnout element, um, where if they achieve a certain revenue or EBITDA target, it results in additional uh, purchase price um, for them. So that's a way of keeping you know the, the management team or the founders um, engaged um, longer term. In terms of the the other employees, you know, it it really comes down to culture um, and the right culture fit. Um, you know, and that's part of this whole nine step process as we're going along, you know, our due diligence, you know, we're, we're meeting with the management team and before the founders and ensuring, you know, that they understand the wireless telecom culture and, and we understand their culture and, and how we're going to make the two, um, make the two fit together. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a challenging part of, of, of M&A. Um, you know, just like HR is, is, is a challenging part of my job. You know, you're dealing with people and, and emotions and, and things like that. And there's, there's always anxiety, um, whenever a company is, is being purchased. Um, but you know, it comes, it comes down to ensuring we understand the culture. You know, we're transparent about our culture and we're doing frequent, you know, communications, um, with, with the target or with the acquisition once it's closed so that they understand, you know, what our plans are, what our culture is and, and how they're going to fit. Yeah. Good stuff there, Mike. For folks who want to learn more about you, Mike, what's the best way for them to reach out and connect with you? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn would be the best, the best way to, to reach out to me. Okay. Keep it simple. Find Michael Candell on LinkedIn gang. Uh, Mike, I want to talk to you about the, the other side, um, uh, divestitures and I believe you've been involved in, in that aspect as well what's the uh, the key difference there as you're talking about that type of strategic initiative yeah so we we divested a business um, in in March of, of this year um, and you know it was a strategic decision because it was a business although it was a great business it was our RF conditioning business it was uh, lower margin and, and had a lower uh, potential growth uh, profile than our other businesses. And we had debt on the balance sheet. So, you know, we were, you know, we made the decision that, you know, we should divest that business and shore up the balance sheet and put some cash on the balance sheet to, to invest in our higher margin, higher growth businesses. Um, you know, not unlike acquisitions, it's, it's kind of the same, you know, the same, step-by-step process that that you have to go through um, with the board, with the MA subcommittee, and you know, with the management team that was going, you know, to the, the new company. Um, again, you know, you're dealing with people and, and anxiety and a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, and it was about ensuring that they understood the rationale uh, for the transaction and and where they were going. Um, and, and in our case, you know, it was absolutely the right fit. Um, what we divested was the right fit for the for the potential purchaser, um, and we were able to to you know talk to the management team that was going early about that. Um, but but really, it's it, it is again a step by step process of you know talking about you know 
strategically why we're doing it. What's the valuation? Does the valuation make sense? Um, getting through those gates of, of, of due diligence and, you know, and, and how we're going to actually break apart the business. Yeah. Mike, I want to get to, um, we'll call it the, the tips and tricks and advice part of the, the program, if you will. And whether you're, you're talking to your younger self, as some people like to say, or you're talking to uh, somebody who's just starting out in the CFO ranks, what are some of the things that you might whisper in their ear that you've learned that would be good advice for them to consider going forward? Um, so I would say in managing people um, and leadership, you, you need to empower your people. Um, you know, employees feel most fulfilled and engaged at work, um, when they're empowered, uh, empowered to make decisions, um, you know, empowered to have their, you know, voice heard. Um, but at the same time, you know, you know, knowing that they, that you as your leader have their back and that every decision this group makes ultimately falls on me as the leader. Um, but, you know, hearing every employee's opinions, voices, et cetera, in the direction of the group or, or a particular problem. You know, I've tried to uh, adapt to when we have a problem, you know, just listening to what, you know, my employees and, and, and staff think is the right solution. And, you know, and it, it's my job to, you know, ultimately, you know, guide the ship in the right direction. Um, but you've, you've got to empower your employees to make decisions that that's that is going to that's what's going to fulfill them. And you'll get more you'll get more out of them if you do that. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, you know, that's what I write about and, and talk about quite a bit. So um, and for the record, for everybody who's watching, I did not put Mike up to that. That that's an honest response on his part. Um, so you, you've alluded to leadership, Mike, and I, I think in, in some of the things you just shared about how you're treating your people speaks to leadership. But uh, what other aspects of leadership, as you might define it, would you also uh, like to share? Yeah, I think, you know, again, empowering your employees is, is, is number one, um, but, but also, you know, being honest with them. Um, I think I said before, finding the right team is, is key. Um, and if you have someone who's who's not performing uh, you need to be open and honest with them through a performance review process um and and you really can't wait for the annual or semi-annual review process to give to give feedback um if if someone's not performing you know you need to you know put them on an improvement plan immediately um because you know if if you're not honest with them um, then things for the whole team are, are, are not going to improve. So I would say continuous, continuous feedback is, is just as important as empowering your employees. Yeah, 100% on that. Uh, Mike, are there any particular issues that are keeping you awake at night? Well, you know, we're, we're not like any other company right now where we're, we're you know, we're dealing with supply chain issues. Um, you know, the, the job market is tough right now, especially in our uh, business where, you know, the majority of our employees are highly technical, highly skilled uh, electrical and, and, and software engineers. Um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a tough market to be recruiting in um, right now. And then, and then just the, you know, the general economy, um, you know, inflation, talks of a, of a recession, you know, these are things that we talk about at our executive leadership team uh, meetings on a weekly basis. 
Yeah, so you alluded to there, when we talk about talent, uh, many folks who've been on the show in the past year or so have talked about how the great resignation has impacted them both in terms of turnover and recruitment. Um, anything more granular that you've experienced with regard to turnover and recruitment, Mike? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, we're, we're feeling, you know, we're feeling that um, that as well. And, you know, we, we've had to kind of expand outside of our, you know, our normal comfort zone in, in terms of how we do, uh, you know, recruiting. Um, we're, we're out, you know, you know, going directly to colleges, community colleges. Um, you know, we're talking with, um, you know, uh, retained headhunters about, you know, what can we do? Um, to, to fill, you know, open, you know, open positions. So it, it's just really part of an evolving process of, you know, um, you know, challenging how you've done things historically and looking if there's things that you could do, do differently to recruit. Yeah. How about in terms of communication with, with folks as we're in this uh, remote employee environment, has that been a challenge for your team? Um, we, so we've adopted a hybrid methodology for, for people that can, can work from home. Um, one of the things though, that we've just recently, uh, shifted to is, is, you know, we, we are now requiring folks to be in the office two specific days of the week so that everybody is in the office two days of the week. You know, that everybody's going to be there at the same, at the same time. Um, you know, although the, the work from home and the remote work has, has, you know, we've managed to get all our work done without, you know, any, any major issues. Um, you know, we, we feel that getting people back into the office in a more collaborative environment is something that's been, that's been missing. Um, so although, you know, we're still allowing flexibility to work from, from home, we are, having the entire office come back two days a week so that we can get more of that collaborative uh, feel um, to things. You know, at at Wireless Telecom Group, we had folks, you know, we have a production facility in in Parsippany and and Boulder, and and those production folks, you know, never worked from home. They they had to stay um, in the office or in the production facility since the beginning of the, of the pandemic, um, you know, we, during the pandemic, we had to put in place certain measures, you know, social distancing, massing, et cetera. Um, but they've been coming, um, to the office, uh, throughout. Um, so, you know, that, that was a big thing that we had to navigate throughout the whole entire pandemic. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, I talked to a lot of business leaders and what you just shared seems to be a common theme where, uh, the return to office plan is a, a part-time thing, but I, I like what you're doing and having everyone in at the same time. So you've got the ability to collaborate and uh, you're not wondering if some of your colleagues are going to be in on that particular day because there's more flexibility. So congratulations on that. And on that note, Mike, unfortunately, we're out of time here, uh, but I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. Thanks, Dave. I enjoyed it. I appreciate it. Uh, it's my pleasure. We've been talking with Mike Candell, who's the Chief Financial Officer at Wireless Telecom Group. And thank you for watching and listening. We can't do this show without you. A uh, big shout out to today's sponsor, B. Riley. Uh, please do check out their website at brileyfin.com. Lots of good things out there for you to check out and explore. Uh, 
That's really all we have here for today, folks. Uh, please do hit the subscribe button on wherever you're watching and listening so you can stay in touch with all that we are up to. Again, my name is Dave Bookbinder, and I will see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care. Hey!